Bismillah, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. I'm here in the Maktabah and today I've, I'm with uh, Ustad Abu Abbas Naveed. He's come all the way down from Nelson, not Manchester. Uh, Alhamdulillah, Abu Abbas is a graduate of the Islamic University of Medina from the Faculty of Sharia and also he's the curriculum developer for Medina uh, College. So, uh, inshallah, we're going to speak today about Ramadan because it's coming up and look at some of the ways in which we prepare as a student or as a teacher. And inshallah, we'll speak some more about that. Uh, but first of all, give a little introduction to yourself and Abdul Abbas. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. As you mentioned, my name is Naveed Abdul Abbas, graduated from Kuwait Sharia, the Faculty of Sharia from the Islamic University of Al Madina in 2010. Um, and recently, I've been involved with Medina College. Uh, and I've been uh, honoured with this position as being a curriculum director uh, in Medina College. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for al-ikhlas. Okay, let's talk just quickly about the course that you've been developing that we've started on because it's a, I think it's one of the, it was almost like a missing brick because uh, yeah. we've got the diploma course, which is two years, you can continue obviously for three years, but it kind of starts at an intermediate level. That's so when right. you looked at it, you did, what's it tell, tell us about the beginners course that you developed um, So yes, Medina, Medina College already offers a diploma course However there's many new Muslims and many beginner Muslims Who, have, or who don't have enough preparation to start studying a diploma course So I felt what was required was a, a marhala tamhidiyah Like it's known in Arabic Which is a prep course Before you study the uh, diploma and that's why we decided to develop a beginner Muslim course a beginner Muslim course for firstly new Muslims and secondly Muslims uh, who haven't learned previously and so before they study the diploma they're able to know the basics of their religion and the beginner Muslim course it's based upon what every single Muslim should know whether it's a student of knowledge or an army, every single Muslim needs to know certain matters. And that is the content of the beginner Muslim course. Okay, that's brilliant. And uh, Alhamdulillah, that course is taught online, isn't it? And it's available online. Yeah, online so, at the moment. Inshallah. Okay, well, Ramadan's coming up. A student in the Jamia, when you were back, I don't know if you can recall all the way back then, it was a long time ago, it was in 2010. Long time ago. Yeah. What was it like? Leading up to Ramadan or in Ramadan as a student in the Jama, tell us a bit about the, you know, the breaking fast. How was it in the Masjid? Tell, yeah. me, tell us about the experiences. Um, from what I remember from that time, and it was quite a while ago. Uh, firstly, simplicity. Suhoor was simple, and iftar was simple, and it was always in the Masjid. Alhamdulillah. Um, of course, there were lessons um, in the Haram al-Sharif regarding the fiqh of Siyam and the ulama, would the ulama would turn to studying the fiqh of Siyam, the fiqh of fasting and then there was Taraweeh or Qiyam al in the evening um, so it was really based upon simplicity um, and of course there was always guests who were coming because groups would come for Umrah during Ramadan so some of the time was taken in maybe delivering reminders or meeting uh, guests but in, in, in general it was a simplicity, alhamdulillah, more than anything else. Because what the, I think the things that I remember the most was everyone getting a sufra out. 
yeah. and finding kind of certain sufras where yeah. you can. So, for example, yeah. you had some sufras which were just, for example, dates and zabadi or uh, yeah. yogurt, yogurt. Isn't it? Yeah. But some they had light dates and they had some yeah. nice bread and they had zabadi. They had, yeah. And they had, for example, mint tea and there was kahwa. Mm. And there was competition and there was sometimes competition. between people. Yeah. I, I remember the most um, tranquil time that perhaps I've ever felt in my life was those few minutes before iftar in the haram. Yeah. And I've never had a feeling as tranquil as that. Those few minutes before uh, iftar, just before maghrib. Especially sometimes if you were sitting outside uh, in the Masjid Nabawi Sharif in the courtyard and the sun was setting and people are speaking before that and then that hush comes and everybody starts making dhikr, everybody starts making dua. So, you know, that was an amazing feeling to uh, feel Alhamdulillah. <clears throat> Alhamdulillah, yeah, I remember that as well. Even coming, I mean, that's something that is also replicated here. It's not something which is specific to yeah. Medina because sometimes people think yeah. that Okay, if I'm not in Medina, it's not the same as... Yeah. But really, those couple minutes before breaking fast, Sorry. you can do that here. You can be kind yeah. of like, just ready, making dua, making dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So mm. that's really... True. I think that's really profound and import, important. Okay, just quickly, the, the stuff's in front of you. You've got your dates. You've got your yeah. yogurt. You've yeah. got that... What's the stuff? Dugga. Dugga. Dugga, yeah. Dugga. Do you know what? It took me about a year and a half before I actually got the courage to pour that in and mix it up and taste it everywhere. It's really nice. Yeah. You've got the dugga, you've got your, so you got your rotub. Yeah. Because not tamar, we have rotub, it's yeah. nice. Sukri dates, mashallah. Yeah. you got the yoga, the dugga, you've got yeah. your zamzam. Yeah. And then if you're, if you've got the right sufri, you've got yeah. some uh, yeah. shy na'na as well. Yeah. So minty, isn't yeah. it? And sometimes some of the people would smuggle in samosas. <laughs> yeah. But the small, I don't know if they Arab samosas or yeah. samosas or small samosas that we smuggled in the bread. Yeah. Because that was illegal. That was not because it's smelly. And then you got the chubs, the bread. <clears throat> yeah, the bread. The bread, the nice Turkish yeah. or is yeah. it Turkish bread or whatever bread yeah. it is. The Medina bread. Yeah. Okay, so question is, what do you go for first? After you've Tamar and Sunnah, Tamar and Zamzam, what what are you what are you going for first? The samosa. Because <laughs> <laughs> not many of them know Tamar and uh uh, uh, Zamzam yeah. uh, bread, yogurt. Because yeah. my favorite was yeah. the bread. I'll be honest with you. Once I got that bread with the dates and just mm. dipping it in the yogurt. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Okay, <clears throat> so that's breaking the fast in Masjid Nabawi most yeah. of the time, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. What other preparations were there with regards to? Because you're studying at the time. I'm assuming. Yeah. I think for the first ten or fifteen days, the studies in the university would carry on. Yeah. Then for the last ten days, I think we used to have a break if I can remember. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. After that, you break your fast. Alhamdulillah, what's the next? What's let's take us through the evening. Um after that, after breaking the fast, from what I can remember, I think we used to remain in the harem really. Yeah. Just relaxing for a short while. Um before of course uh Tarawi start. Um yeah, and that, that was it mostly yeah, if yeah. I can remember we just stayed in the harem for a short while. Because some of the things I remember trying to go out to get some actual food, when I say food, <laughs> before, yeah. and rush back. Yeah. But the dynamics yeah. there was, do you make it back in time for Tarawih yeah. or not? And where, you and, do, do, and where are you going to pray? Exactly. Are you going to be praying? Exactly. So yeah. it's about are you delay eating until after Tarawih, yeah. which is better in yeah. this case, so that you can maintain staying yeah. in the mansion, having a nice space. Yeah. Yeah. Or you run the risk of getting some nice Well, of, of course, I'll remember, if you remember in the courtyard of uh, Masjid Nabawi Sharif, there was food there which was given. There was rice and chicken. As well, yeah. yeah. It was only inside the haram where they couldn't break the food. Okay, so, so, so you'd um, have to get some food outside yeah, if you want to yeah, eat outside. Yeah. 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 
Okay. Is it the same now? Abdullah has it. If you go outside of the courtyard, outside the... It's on the streets. Yeah, on the streets, you get even more food. Okay, so they did get, they're giving out free food outside the courtyard on the street. Full meal. A yeah. full meal. So it depends if you want ajal and you want to sit in the masjid, you're going to starve a bit. So if you want food, you have to pray outside. If you don't want food, are you yeah. happy with... On the hot pavement, not on the, on the, the cool times. Yeah. And mm. this is from the net of Obviously, it's a month of charity anyway. Everyone's, yeah. Everyone wants to feed a, a fasting person. And this is part Say. of the... It's feeding a Say. fasting person is where you're going to get the ajal, isn't it? Say. Inshallah. So... And that's something, again, you don't have to be in Medina to do it. You can do that, no. yeah. Yeah. Okay, so after eating, breaking your fast, what do you do up until the time of the Isha Salah and the Tarawih prayer? Uh, after Iftar. After Iftar. So after Iftar, it was just in the masjid really, from what I can remember, just sitting down, relaxing. Um, brothers were there speaking to brothers in preparation for Tarawih. I can't remember leaving the masjid in order to get food. Yeah. Um, but after Taraweeh, on the way back to the university, I think we, if I remember correctly, we used to maybe get some food on the way, some yeah. rice or something, or a shawarma or something. Yeah. So we've spoken a bit about how it was as a student in the Jamia. Okay, now, as coming back to the UK, Ramadan in, in the UK, uh, but this time, obviously, as a teacher. So mm. instead of, for example, you know, you're studying or you're, you're now in charge of, for example, organising lessons and organising uh, iftars to a degree within, with the masjid up in yeah. Nelson in the community. Yeah. What's the difference and how is it? How do you... Like, so, for example, if I go back to when I was the Imam at Croydon ICT, yeah. uh, I remember there, you know, getting... The, you get a team together. It's, I, I just remember it being similar to the stresses of bringing, getting the iftar, rolling it out, you know, the brothers, you know, tidying up afterwards, like as in, you know, putting on the rubbish and getting everything ready for before the prayer time right mm. and then also there'd been a reminder yeah how is it like preparing as a teacher uh, i like think that? my experience is a little bit different because unfortunately some of my time or a lot of my time in ramadan used to get spent traveling yeah because i used to give quite a few lectures in various masajid um so a lot of my time especially the weekends and fridays and sometimes mondays as well it was spent in traveling to other masajid um uh, and that's one of the regrets I have, the fact that you have to travel and sometimes you end up missing Taraweeh or missing Iftar at home. Yeah. Um, and, and then when I used to come back at home, mostly my Iftar was at home. Yeah. Very rarely did I do Iftar in the masjid. Yeah. Um, just because I want to spend that time at home with family. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah Ramadan is a busy time anyway for a teacher because yeah. now this is a time where... where like yeah. even like for example now leading up yeah. to Ramadan the whole weekend yeah. it's, it's recorded it's reminders yeah. and that's in addition yeah. to the normal classes that yeah. you already have as which well which is I mean even in Medina the ulama during Ramadan they wouldn't stop teaching we read narrations from the Salaf like Sufyan Thawri and Imam Malik and others how when Ramadan came they would stop everything and they would turn to the Quran some of them would stop a hadith and they would turn to the Quran of course uh, this isn't something from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, but it's dependent upon the time that you're in and the situation you're in and the environment you're in. Our ulama today, for example, in Medina, when Ramadan enters, they increase in their durus because in, because in Masjid al-Nabawi al-Sharif, because of the Umrah groups who are coming in Ramadan, there's many awam who are coming, sometimes with many deviated beliefs. So we find that they will turn to lessons uh, regarding Tawheed and Aqeedah, and sometimes general reminders or fatawa. So something like this is dependent upon the situation which you're in. Yeah. Also in Ramadan, uh, 
the heart of people, they open to da'wah. And that is the prime time or the season to utilize in order to bring people closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And from my experience, even our local masjid, uh, many brothers who came towards the da'wah and started practicing was in Ramadan. Yeah. They heard a talk, uh, they heard a khutbah, and the heart was already open because it's Ramadan. And then Allah gave them the tawfiq and they you know, started practicing Islam, alhamdulillah. Uh, that's amazing because obviously, like you mentioned, when we say if everything stops and only focus on Quran, but yeah. again, it's according to the, the, the time, the and, time the and the situation of the people. In that case, yeah. it should be the opposite then, shouldn't it? Yeah. Actually yeah. increasing yeah. in lectures and durus yeah. because it's a time where people are more receptive, receptive. To, to the da'wah, exactly. And sometimes on a personal level, it's disruptive. But at the end of the day, if you think that it's still for the sake of Allah, you're yeah. still doing this for the sake of Allah, you know, perhaps... And it's uh, only 29 days as well, and yeah, it's exactly. extra effort as well. Exactly. Yeah, alhamdulillah. So that's, that, that's an, I think the importance of that point needs to be emphasised because it's about contextualising the da'wah. Mm. And to, for the people and for the time, because it's about what's going to bring the objective, which is people's guidance. Yeah. The purpose yeah. of Islam is to guide people away yeah. from the, you know, away from disobedience to yeah. obedience and stuff like that. And if that's not going to be achieved but by it, sitting at home reading Quran yourself, and the benefit which transfers is benefit greater, greater than yeah. the benefit which is yeah. limited to the exactly. individual. E- even though you know each one of us personally would love to stay at home and just concentrate on the Quran and be with the family. Uh, you know, but this is the situation when it's like, for example, the uh, sermons, the khutbah. It's known that the khutbah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was extremely short. Yeah, it was two or three ayat. It was mostly regarding at taqwa, and some of those uh, khutbah have been preserved and narrated. Um, but then the khulafa who came later, uh, they their sermons were longer in length because that is what was required at the time. Yeah, and even today, you know, our sermons are sometimes half an hour, sometimes even longer. But that's because Jummah is sometimes the only opportunity you have to talk to the people. Yeah. And otherwise they don't get anything else uh, outside of that time. So it's like you mentioned, contextualizing the da'wah and knowing what's, you know, what the people are in need of. Yeah. Okay, looking at the, uh, a timetable. So we spoke about, for example, how it was in Medina, yeah. how it is in the UK, you know, putting more effort in, contextualizing the da'wah. What timetable could they the ordinary Muslim, for want of a better phrase, put in before Ramadan so that they can make, I guess, make the most. Before of, Ramadan. Yeah, so or when I say before, I mean leading yeah, up to, to Ramadan, yeah, to Ramadan yeah. that they're going to yeah. continue yeah. throughout. What, what? Well, the Prophet ﷺ, as Umul Mu'nin Aisha radiallahu anha narrates, he never fasted a month more than Sha'ban, except for Ramadan, of course. And so the fasting of Sha'ban is used in preparation to Ramadan. Because if a person has not fasted throughout the year, and then the first fast is the fast of Ramadan, especially in the long summer days, it'll take that person maybe 10 days, i.e. a third of the month, just for his or her body to acclimatize to Ramadan mm. and to gain energy and focus throughout Ramadan. And so the Prophet used to fast throughout Sha'ban. So when Ramadan comes, a person's body is already acclimatized to to Ramadan and yeah. to fasting and naturally, you know, can go on and focus on fasting in Ramadan. So that's important. Firstly, spend uh, some of Sha'ban at least in fasting. So you're ready for Ramadan. And then in terms of preparing, for example, a personal timetable, uh, it's like you said, Al-Mar'u Amiru Nafsi. Each person knows his or herself better. 
and knows what works and what time they have and what their job is like and what their family situation is like. You know, a man will differ from a woman because of the duties and responsibilities of working and home. And and so, you know, yes, you can set yourself targets. Um, and of course, focus on the Quran and dhikr and dua. And then organize your time in whatever way is beneficial to yourself. Yeah. So it's a kind of, it's individual, isn't it? It's of really, yeah. Yeah. It's very individual. Yeah. Okay. What are the, I guess, the key things you'd say that, you know, if you are, when you do have free time, so yeah. for example, okay, I'm occupied fulfilling my responsibilities. Yeah. Okay. Now I've got some free time. What would be the things that, you know, the key things to, to kind of go to first, second, third, for example? In, in free time. In, yeah, in mm. free time. First thing, think, yeah. well, my advice firstly is that uh, Ramadan, it's uh, ibadah tarqiyah. It's an ibadah in which you're leaving and abandoning certain matters. Of course, practically you are performing certain matters, but, but Ramadan in of itself, it's a psalm is al-imsak. A psalm yeah. is withholding and abstaining. So, you know, in that light or in that manner, I think the first thing that a person should look at is abstaining from certain matters. Aside from food and drink, also shahawat. The Prophet ﷺ, he said in the hadith al-Qudsi that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says regarding the fasting person, يَدْعُوا الطَّعَامُ وَالشَّرَابُ وَالشَّهْوَ لِأَجْلِي He's left his food and his drinking and his desires yeah. for my sake. So the first thing is that the bad habits that we all have, trying to abstain from those habits, whether it's music or movies, or, 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 or being preoccupied with football, for example, or friends, or going out, or smoking, or whatever the other, you know, matters are, that which is even more severe. That's the first thing. A psalm, it is al-imsak. A psalm is abstaining. Hmm. So begin by abstaining and withholding from that which is haram, or that which is even makru and wasteful. Then after that, is preoccupying your time with, of course, Qur'an. Shahur Ramadan, alladhi unzila fi al-Qur'an. In Surah Baqarah, Allah connected the, the Ramadan to the Qur'an. So the recitation of Qur'an, dhikr, dua, uh, and nawafil, and, and other, you know, righteous uh, acts of ibadah and yeah. worship. That's excellent. Specifically for the youth, because uh, one of the things that, I mean, uh, when was it when you brought the youth down from? It was two, three from, years ago. Two, three years ago. Yeah. Yeah, so one of the things we had, I think it was, with Insight into Islam and the youth that you yeah. cultivate and nurture up in Manchester, in yeah. Nelson. It's not Nelson. Nelson, yeah. Islam. <laughs> yeah. uh, you came down with them and, and that was part of, I mean, tell us a bit about that and also from off the back of that, how the youth can cultivate themselves in the yeah. month of Ramadan. You got it? Yeah. All right, let's go. Um, so uh, in Nelson, there's a group of youth, uh, like in every masjid who attend the madrasa, some of them are more diligent and more, uh, willing to learn than others, and that's in every masjid, in every town, in every madrasa. Uh, so, and one of the things that our youth are missing is an identity, yeah. and we all speak about this, and we all realize this. Uh, one of the ways I feel to develop and instill this identity in our youth is for them to connect with other Muslims, uh, so they know that Islam or being upon the Sunnah is not something which is just restricted to their masjid only, yeah. but there's hundreds and thousands of other Muslims like this up and down the country. So I think what we did then is we did an exchange visit where we brought some of the teenagers from Nelson to Brixton. Uh, the reason, of course, why I chose Brixton is how different Brixton is to almost any other place. 
and especially like the in a north. good way, obviously. Yeah, in, in a good way. No, of course, in a good way. You know, like in, in terms famous. <laughs> or famous. In terms of um, how diverse uh, the ethnicities are in a masjid and and how and Muslim Taimi and we also came to Medina College and I remember we did lectures with them which they really benefited. Um, and you know, I remember one parent came back to me and he said, "Look, I don't know what was studied in um, Medina College at that time with his youth." But I realized from my son that since he's come back, he's been acting different towards his mother. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, so you and, and maybe that wasn't even spoken about. Yeah. But it's something that was learned and, and benefited from, you know, in this environment. Yeah. And not every learning is always done in the classroom. Yeah. You learn sometimes when you're on a journey. You learn sometimes when you see two, two teachers meeting each other and how warm they are with each other, how respectful they are with each other. Um, and also whilst you're traveling, you know, the traveler's prayer, and yeah. maybe having to make tayammum or trying to work out the qibla. All these, all these things are benefited. Yeah, practical. Exactly. Yeah. So this was experiences. Exactly. And this was the idea. This yeah. was the idea behind doing that exchange visit. Yeah. Yeah. So stayed in the masjid. Stayed in the masjid. Fed them. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. And, and I remember one of the brothers kindly, he uh, decided to treat all of the, the young guys to, uh, I think, some ice cream or something. Yeah. You know, so even seeing acts of kindness like this for somebody who you don't know, yeah. it has to have an impact on a person. And also that experience that they were 13, 14 years old, I'm sure they'll never forget that for the rest of yeah. their life. It'll remain even when they're older. And sometimes you might see the benefit of this uh, visit, maybe when they're 30 years old, yeah. and you didn't see it initially. So th th there were some of the ideas behind Inshallah, I'm this. hoping after COVID lockdown, we can Inshallah. resume this and maybe this is something that we can uh, spread across other Inshallah. communities. Because yeah. I do think that it, the impact is so huge. Yeah. That is, personally, I think the impact is bigger than maybe even a one-year course. Yeah. A weekend in another community with other yeah. Muslims, yeah. their but, identity is strengthens, and I do yeah, think it works. But the same aqidah. Same aqidah, same manhaj. Different colour, different language, yeah. different experiences, but the same aqidah, yeah, yeah. the same manhaj, you know, the same uh, book. Yeah. So I think that's why it's important. I remember when, even when we were 16, 17 at that time, we used to travel to go to conferences. Yeah. Unfortunately, it doesn't occur as often because there's live broadcasts and live streaming and it's been lost. Yeah. yeah Some so of those things we have to yeah. bring back. And we did also discuss a youth forum, didn't we? A national youth forum. Yeah. So maybe inshallah. It's something that maybe yeah, comes to fruition. Inshallah, inshallah. make dua. Make dua that's something that can happen because I think that impact will be huge, inshallah, especially yeah. for for the communities that are spread across. And teenagers. And, and teenagers. teenagers. This yeah. is a point because the thing is, the madrasa, this is an issue that I think we face as a community. The madrasa age generally goes up until, let's say, 13, around that age. Yeah. Right? And even that's a push. Yeah. Primary school, let's say. That's right. Secondary school, things change. It's a bit harder for the, to get the kids, to, yeah. for the parents to you yeah. know, push them to go madrasa. Yeah. That's right. And some manage to do it, but even then, <clears throat> the madrasa itself doesn't have the, I guess, the capacity, not the capacity, but they don't facilitate for teens about 14, 15. Mm. So there's a gap, and then yeah. 16, 17, then yeah. back to uni, then they come back on ISOCs and stuff like that. So that gap, and it's important for them because that's their adolescent, mm. pubescent. There's so much going on there. Yeah. Their identity is really yeah. important at that point. So something like that, I think, will be really yeah. Yeah, beneficial. Yeah, that, that age, 15, 16, uh, you know, the college years. Yeah. If we can keep our youth with us, I think, until at least the first year of university, you know, when they become 19. Yeah. Then, inshallah, after that, inshallah, you know, they're safe by the tawfiq of Allah. But if you lose them when they're 16, and that's their formative years, and when they're changing the most, then it's difficult. Yeah. You mentioned conferences. We used to have these big conferences, people used to travel to them. 
uh, even up in Nelson or Manchester, you've organised conferences as well, bringing yeah. over the Mashaykh and Da, yeah. Salafi, Salafi Events. Salafi Events UK. Yeah. yeah. And you've got Medina. Uh, dot com com yeah and, and Medina College North and Medina now. College North now <laughs> inshallah and Islam Nelson yeah, yeah. which is the yeah. Islam Nelson is local yeah um, the masjid is called uh, Masjid Sunnah yeah and that's a new project um, I mean in order to understand the masjid I have to go back and give you the context of the da'wah uh, many many years ago uh, by brothers who are much older much more senior than me uh, a small charity was started called Fountains of Knowledge yeah and they actually started as a bookshop and I think I was only, you know, 14, 15 or 16 years old at the time. Uh, this was perhaps a 1995, 96, I can't remember. Um, so that started from a bookshop a co in the corner of a block. And then uh, over time, a small nursery was opened. Um, and then over time, a primary school was, a building was bought for a primary school, Al-Ikhlas Primary School, um, which, alhamdulillah, a couple of years ago, it was awarded outstanding by Ofsted. Alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah. Um, and then... The girls' secondary school was opened, um, and and then recently a big building was bought, which can be like a campus almost. And and the next plans are be to have a masjid in there, and uh, hopefully to expand, you know, some of the like to to expand the primary school, to maybe open a community hub or something, something yeah. along those lines, inshallah. And it's inshallah should be quite unique in the UK because it's all one big campus. Yeah. In the future, but that should be one big campus, and I think the end objective has to also be to open some type of Dar al-Hadith or something similar. Yeah. So we can produce Tulab al-Ilm and we can produce our talent from within the UK, yeah. inshallah. And that's, that's the objective of Medina College and Institutes yeah. of Learning generally. Yeah. That we want, not everybody's able to travel, no. but we should have a structure, an infrastructure where we can actually produce that's right. uh, qualified yeah. imams and yeah. students of knowledge yeah. that are competent and proficient right. in, in, their, in what they know. So this is a big project. Where do you, what's your, where do you fit in this? Because I know you're fundraising at the moment for the, for, for the, the masjid. For the masjid. Yeah, for so Masjid Sunnah. Alhamdulillah. So it's almost yeah. like it's a complete, you've got the primary school, yeah. inshallah, secondary school. Yeah. So the primary, the girls' secondary, the nursery is already there. Yeah. Um, and now the next step is uh, masjid, the masjid. Tell and us about the fundraising and what's, what's the target and how, what's the... What's the uh, um, so the building was bought and purchased uh, before the left of 500,000. That same building, had it been in London, it'd probably be 5 million. Yeah. <laughs> That's the difference, you know. And uh, if you see some of the pictures, it's got a lecture theatre in there. Yeah. Uh, it's got classrooms in there. It's got like a commercial kitchen in there. So it's a big blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, and the masjid part of it, which is almost maybe a third of the building or a quarter of the building, that's going to cost about two hundred fifty thousand pounds, yeah. which isn't a lot, relatively speaking, to how much massages spend now. Two hundred fifty thousand isn't a lot. Um, so, inshallah, you know, I think we should be. Up to, I think we've already raised perhaps a third uh, by the permission of Allah, and now Ramadan's coming up, and the Muslims are generous, and you know, inshallah, uh, they'll donate to be And as long as we're sincere and we have ikhlas, Allah will facilitate this project for us, inshallah. Yeah. So anyway, inshallah, we're going to mention where they can donate in the yeah. links in this uh, video. Exactly. One of the other, I guess, things, books, Ramadan, preparing for Ramadan or benefiting throughout the month of Ramadan. One of the books I always kind of, uh, or that I, well, okay, so when I first came back from the Jamia, I was yeah. graduated in 2008. I think 2009, I was working at Croydon ICT. 
And then obviously the first Ramadan, okay, do reminders, what am I going to prepare? Mm. So I went back to Sheikh Uthaymi's book, Sheikh Uthaymi al-Alama, the, the imam of our time. His books are numerous. He's got um, books on every topic. Yeah. Uh, he has a book called Majalis Shahr Ramadan, the sittings yeah. of the month of Ramadan. And yeah. every, he's got 30 lessons basically That's covering right. yeah. all, all different topics, right? That's right. of Ramadan and yeah. descriptions of paradise, descriptions yeah. of hellfire. That's right. Uh, so what I started doing, I would take, for example, a chapter and translate a bit of it and use that for daily reminders i've realized that the book's actually now available as a pdf in english right uh, so that's one of the things that i'd probably recommend people to do yeah. what, how do you recommend people spend their ramadan in books what books do you recommend is there is there anything that you'd i mean first of course without saying start off with reciting the quran and have a daily portion of the quran according to what a person can do if it's only half a page a day or a page a day or just a day whatever that person can do also, many of us, because uh, many of us don't speak the Arabic language, uh, we don't understand the Qur'an. And the Qur'an is guidance. Uh, it's recited for tabarruk and it's recited for ajr, without doubt. But it was revealed, uh, in order to contemplate and ponder over the ayat of the Qur'an. So even, you know, uh, uh, like a translation of the Qur'an or a translation of the meaning of the Qur'an, or even a simple book of tafsir, Hmm. In Arabic, of course, we have the famous tafsir, tafsir al-Sa'di, contemporary tafsir, easy to read, hmm. uh, written in a style and then, uh, a manner which is easy to understand. Tafsir ibn Kathir al-Baghawi, yeah. those t- tafsir which are... Those known. have been translated as well. I think tafsir al-Sa'di is translated In now. 10 volumes. In 10 I volumes. S- I saw that the other day. And tafsir of ibn Kathir, the summarized version That's is right, available. Abridged. Also in 10 abridged volumes. In 10 volumes. Darussalam, and both and you can, the tafsir of ibn Kathir, you can, you can access it on... On, not on an app, on a web page, we can go aya aya as well. Right, we can okay. actually read it okay. that way as well. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, so that's important. Um, and I think also, of course, listening to lectures and reading books about ahkam al-siyam, you know, the rulings of siyam. Yeah. And that should be done before Ramadan. Mm. So the courses which are out there and the lessons which are available in the masajid. I know recently uh, you've advertised you're going to be teaching Kitab al-Siyam from Ar-Risala of yeah. Ibn Abi Zayd al-Qairawani. Yeah. Um, so yeah, books which discuss and study the rulings of Siyam. These are very important. Yeah. And then also other books which bring a person closer to Allah. So if a person reads about the descriptions yeah. of Jannah and the importance of Taqwa and the importance of Ash-Shukr, even though it's not directly related to Siyam, but it yeah. increases the person in Iman. Yeah. Um, so a combination of all of those things, inshallah. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. Just to kind of wrap it up a little bit. Uh, what kind of advice do you give to uh, somebody that's, I guess, struggling with, you know, preparing for Ramadan in terms of, you know, they, they're feeling despondent a bit because they know they've got habits or bad. What advice would you give someone to kind of uplift them? And uh, Firstly, that we have to be very cautious of the plots of shaitan. And perhaps one of the plots of shaitan is this feeling which is developing this person. Um, thinking that a person is not uh, worthy of, you know, having taqwa or worthy of making dua because you're too much of a sinner. And this is what Allah devises against, against in the Qur'an. لا تقنطوا من رحمة الله Do not lose hope in the mercy of Allah. This is from, from shaitan and also su'ad then regarding Allah, having bad thoughts about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So a person shouldn't rely on these excuses. You know, uh, be firm and start as you mean to go on, inshallah. Rectify your intention and mend your relationships, your relationship with Allah, your, your relationship with others, and begin. And the plots of shaitan 
It's in stages. And one of the last stages that shaitan has against a person is that if he cannot prevent doing a good deed, at least he tries to delay the good deed. Mm. And so all of these plots, being aware of these plots, and, um, you know, just start immediately, inshallah. You never know when a person's time will end. Start doing righteous deeds and Allah will make them easy for you. For you. The more you do of goodness, the more easy Allah makes for you. Mm. And that's the advice after sincerity, uh, ikhlas. A lot of that was, I'll put you on the spot and I appreciate the. Jazakallah Inshallah, hopefully it's been a benefit and everyone's going to benefit from that advice, Inshallah. And we get it out before Ramadan as well, Inshallah. So Jazakallah Khair, Inshallah.